0: Our second scripture reading continues from the ninth chapter of the book of Acts. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he answered, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hand on him so he may regain his sight. But Ananias said, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has the authority from the chief priest to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and kings. And before the people of Israel, I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the way here has sent me that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and his sight was restored. Then he got up and was baptized. This ends the reading of God's holy word. May God add many blessings in the hearing of it. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we've come into your house and gathered in your name to worship you. Enable us to hear your call in our lives. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts here together be found pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Our Lord, our Rock, our Redeemer. Amen. Friends, I realize that today is a full day. We've had two anthems, we had the the story for the children's time, which often takes longer. We've got communion. Uh, we had our, our, our mission offering, a minute for mission. It's a very full day, so I have tried to reduce my sermon a little bit, trying to to keep it a little bit shorter. But there's the old joke about the, this man and his son pointing out what all the things in the church means, that there's the Bible, that's the Word of God, there's the the cross, and that's what Jesus was crucified on. And then the preacher takes off his watch and puts it on the pulpit as he begins to preach, and the son says, Dad, what's that mean? And he says, well, not a darn thing, son. <laughs> So I am going to try to keep it short. Uh, my notes are only one page, where they are usually three or four, but you never know where the Spirit's going to lead you. Um, so I, I, but I will try to keep it brief. Today we are beginning our summer sermon series, and it's uh, Heroes of a Biblical Proportion. Now when you hear a uh, biblical uh, proportion, you often think of disasters, of floods, of earthquakes, because the, the natural disasters in the Bible are so epic. And some of the heroes in the Bible are epic and and people we look up to. But during the the summer, we're going to have sermons looking at some of the heroes of the Bible. Some you might expect, some you might not expect. And look at different things that make them heroic. Things that we can embody, things that we can live into so that we could be heroes of biblical proportion. At the same time, I want to invite you... Uh, each Sunday to to share someone who has been a hero of faith to you. I'll get a sign-up sheet uh, today after worship out in the narthex uh, with uh, family in town and conferences and everything going on. I just, it slipped my mind and I haven't gotten it. Uh, If you want to talk about it next week, please let me know if you want to sign up before the sign-up sheet is available because I know there will be a a mad rush because everyone is dying to talk about their heroes of faith. So as I was thinking about this summer, uh, this sermon, I thought about a movie that came out a couple weeks ago. Solo, a Star Wars story. And if you haven't seen it yet, I, you should go see it. It's much better than I expected. I really wasn't expecting much, but you know my, my love for Star Wars is Legion, as they say. So I'm going to see it. And it's the movie about how Han Solo becomes Han Solo. You know, he's already a, a, a smuggler and, and uh, kind of a, a rascalian. I'm, I'm all of a sudden talking like an old man um, <laughs> when Star Wars picks up. And this shows us how he becomes jaded, how he becomes a smuggler, how he becomes part of the seedy underworld. Uh, And origin stories are are popular in in movies, especially comic book movies and hero movies. It seems like every few years they re-release Spider-Man and have to tell his origin story again. And we know Spider-Man got bit by a radioactive spider and got superpowers. We know that Batman saw his parents get killed and that's how he became Batman. We know that Superman came from the planet Krypton and our son's power gives him super strength and flight. These are their origin stories. These are how they became who they are. How Han Solo became Han Solo. How Wonder Woman became Wonder Woman. How Spider-Man became Spider-Man. And so I thought it would be good to begin by looking at how our heroes of the Bible became who they are. And if we look at all the great origin stories, they have a radical transformation. And there's no more radical transformation in Scripture than Saul turning into Paul. As I know you are all well-versed in the book of Acts, Saul was someone who persecuted the church. When Stephen was stoned to death, it was Saul who oversaw it. Saul is the one who would go and arrest Christians and if they survived the arrest, would take them and imprison them. Saul was going to Damascus. So he went to the high priest and said, well, write me a letter so that I could arrest any Christians I might come across. And so as he's traveling to Damascus, a huge light shined upon him. A light so bright he was blinded and he heard a voice. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And Saul said, who are you? And the voice said, I am Jesus. The one you persecute. Get up, continue to Damascus, and there you'll be told what to do. And Saul is blinded. He can't see a thing. And his friends, his followers who are with him, were terrified because they heard the voice but saw nothing. So they led Saul to Damascus, and there he prayed and fasted for three days. Now in Damascus was a disciple named Ananias, and he too had a vision. Said so a man from Tarsus is there named Saul. Go and go see him. And Ananias says, No, I know this guy. I know what he's done, I know what he can do. And the voice says, just do it. And so Ananias goes and he lays his hands on him and he prays for him, and Saul stands up and the scales fall from his eyes, and he can see, and he is immediately baptized. He went on to become Paul, who wrote more of the scriptures than anyone else. He wrote most of the New Testament, most of the epistles and their letters to churches that he founded. He went and spread the gospel far and wide. He went from someone who persecuted the church to someone who spread the gospel to Jews and Gentiles alike. I can't think of a similar radical story. It was as if Osama bin Laden became a Marine for the United States. It blows our mind to think about. It's so unpractical, so outside of the reality of what we could think of. But that's what happened. And he talks about it in his own words in his letter in the book of Galatians. He writes, for I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel that was proclaimed by me is not of human origin, for I did not receive it from a human source, nor was I taught it. But I received it through the revelation of Jesus Christ. You've heard no doubt of my earlier life in Judaism. I was violently persecuting the church of God and was trying to destroy it. I advanced in Judaism beyond many among my people of the same age, for I was far more zealous for the traditions of my ancestors. But God, who had set me apart before I was born and called me through His grace, was pleased to reveal His Son to me. And I think if I had to sum up Paul's origin story, it'd be those two words. But God. Paul persecuted the church. But God. Paul wanted to destroy the gospel instead of spread it. But God. Paul was a sinner, but God had other plans. And I think if we want to be heroes of biblical proportions, we need to look for the but God in our lives. I almost named this sermon "But God," but I was afraid that'd be misconstrued. That it, you know, it'd sound like something else, and you might think it was about a Kardashian or something like that. <laughs> we need to look for where God is working in our lives. We need to look for that point of transformation. We need to look for where Chris was going on this path, but God. I was going to do that, but God. I was this way, but God called me to be another way. We need to look to where God is revealed to us. Where we need to look to the point where we learn of Jesus Christ's love and sacrifice for us. For the grace that God shows us. We need to look for that, that moment, that time, when we became transformed by the knowledge that the God that created this entire universe created us and loves us. We need to look for that but God. Now the downside of using Paul's origin story is that it's so radical. Let's be honest, not all of us are persecutors of Christians. Not all of us have been blinded and seen a huge light and heard Jesus speaking to us audibly. But we've all been transformed. God has worked in all of our lives, shaping us into who God intended us to be, who God calls us to be. Both the United Church of Christ and the Presbyterian Church, the, the two faiths that we belong to, the two denominations, trace themselves back to the Reformation. And there are many reformers that are famous, but the two that are probably most formers are John Calvin and Martin Luther. Now, if you know anything about Martin Luther, and uh, I'm looking at Mike and and Nancy because they'll correct me if I say anything wrong. He was just an ordinary person, had no real interest in, in becoming a priest and becoming a monk, becoming a reformer of the Catholic Church. But one day he was riding his horse and got stuck in a huge thunderstorm. And lightning was everywhere. Thunder was booming. It was pouring rain. And a lightning struck feet from where he was on his horse and he was terrified. And he prayed, God, if you save me from this, I will become a monk. He was probably going to become an aristocrat. He was probably going to follow in his father's footsteps, take over his father's lands. But God had other plans for him. Now, John Calvin's transformation is something that We don't know anything about. We know that it happened. We know that he once considered himself not a Christian. He became a Christian. And we know that something happened gradually over time. Something that as people in a faith family surrounded him. As he heard the scriptures preached and read. As the Holy Spirit worked on him. But God had plans for him. Friends, as you think about your but God moment, as you think about the time when God transformed you, when God changed you. When you think about how God is calling you, what what your origin story of faith is. It doesn't have to be something huge and flashy and radical like Martin Luther or like Saul. It could be something subtle. Something that happens over time. It could be the mustard seed that's planted into you and slowly grows into the giant mustard tree. But if you want to be a hero of biblical proportion, if you want to be a hero of faith, you have to have a revelation from God that transforms you. You have to let God's word into your heart, you have to live it out in a way that you can point to that say, "I am different." That I was going to do this. But God. Amen.